Let's roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Counter Charge. I'm Andy. I'm wrapping up. I am Jeremy Duvall. Welcome. We're excited to have the man, the myth, the legend. The, so much the man, he only needs one name. Mr. <laughs> Andy Burtis. How are you doing, Andy? I'm very well. Thanks, Jeremy. How's yourself? A good, doing good, doing good. I know Andy's been making the rounds uh, as he is now officially, what are we now, uh, 34 days into your new role? Or when That's was your official that, start date with my me? Of, my official start date technically was the 1st of January, but since that was a bank holiday, I started on the 2nd of January. Okay. So, 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 my, so my first day at work was a holiday. That can't be too bad, can it? That can't be too bad. <laughs> so Andy's been there for 30 some odd days. So obviously he solved the Da Vinci code. He now knows how to make Manta go to the moon. He has all the answers and he's going to share with us all the secrets from his massive 30 days of employment. Absolutely. But I know we're really excited to have you on. I think it's it's great. And as we have today's conversation, I know Rob and I can't wait to hear sort of what your goals are and what, what Mantic's going to look like in 2024, which I think is going to be a, a, a big year. And moreover, I think it needs to be a big year for Mantic going into 2024 with everything sort of in the in the milieu of the hobby world right now. But before we get into all that good stuff, Robbo, I haven't talked to you a little bit hobby-wise. I know we have Adepticon on the horizon, but what have you been up to hobby-wise? As you're hearing this, we've already moved from OhioHammer.com to CounterCharge.net. And what a pain in the ass that is to, to move a website. I mean, we didn't move the website. We just changed the domain name. But then you have a podcast with almost 700 episodes. And the last thing you want to do is to have to re-upload all of those. But now we have the fun part of updating our RSS feed with all the podcast aggregators like Apple and Google and Spotify. So this is just my shout out. If, if you guys find something that doesn't look right, let me know. And we'll uh, we'll get it fixed. The 2023 Countercharge Mantic Army Slogo Challenge is done, but we do have a couple things to wrap up. Number one, we need your help selecting the best army. So the 22 people that finished the, uh, the the challenge, we've got a post pinned on the uh, Facebook page. Go in there. There's a poll. Select which one you like the best. And you know what? If you want to vote for yourself, that's fine. Having self-confidence in yourself is a good step to growth. So go ahead and unabashedly vote for yourself if you want. Absolutely. We will be having some live streams coming up uh, to, to kind of wrap things up uh, once we, you know, we get the, the best army selected and all that. You know, we've had this question a lot. We will have another slow grow at some point this year. Don't know what it's going to look like yet, but more details to come. Now, your question about hobby. I don't know what I was thinking, but like I, I was invited to play in the Blue Sea Brawl, which is a two 2,000 point doubles event. So one, two 1,000 point armies. And I decided that I, I'm going to go ahead and paint a brand new one. From scratch, right? A thousand points, no problem. So I'm in the process of doing that. I'm painting up a winter theme Force of the Major Army with a lot of like alternate Mantic models, you know. So like the first one I've done is the Forest Ward is actually the Clarion and on a bigger base. The basing is cool. It came out, it's really dark and moody and snowy and it's it's awesome. But you know, painting wise, I don't know, you guys ever hit it where you hit the wall? Like I just I sat down and I'm trying to paint and I'm like, it just I don't know, it just wasn't it wasn't happening. So I, I'm in one of those projects where you just have to force your way through and just accept the fact that it's not gonna be 
you know, it's not going to be a golden demon, right? <laughs> it's it's just going to be good tabletop standard, and and, and we're going to move on. So your your, your paint scheme is, is done, right? I'm doing a paint scheme of done. <laughs> Tell my partner Dan Kamek, who I'm playing with. Oh yeah, I'm gonna I got a whole new paint scheme picked out. Da, 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 da. Oh yeah, he's a serious painter. Yeah, yeah. So what happened is I, I tried the new paint scheme, and I was like, I just couldn't get it to click. And so I said, you know what? I ain't got time for this. We're going back to the old well, and we're going to paint. You know, a paint scheme I already know how to do. It is what it is. But yeah, I'm looking forward to Blue Sea Brawl. It's the first weekend of March, three weeks away. And then Adepticon, right? We've got a, you know, Jeremy, we're playing in the doubles event for Ambush, playing in the singles Kings of War event, uh, going to do Armada. I know you're doing Firefight. So lots of great stuff. If you haven't listened to Dead Zone, the podcast, you should. They just kind of went over the coverage of the whole Manta Games selection, but they also really targeted in on, you know, what they're going to be doing for Dead Zone and Firefight as those are the guys that are running those events. So make sure you give them a listen. We'll have to talk soon because I, I definitely got to get working on Adepticon progress. And now that it's an ambush tournament specifically, in looking at my Twilight Kin army that I'm bringing for Clash, none of it works in ambush. It won't work at all. Yeah, no hordes. Yeah, because I got hordes and flying stuff. I, we're going to have to discuss that. So the Blue Sea Brawl army, I'm I'm, paint, I'm making everything in regiments, even if I'm going to run them as a horde. My salamanders, I couldn't play them. I have lots of hordes, which so that wouldn't work. Yeah, and I was building my ambush list, and I had a bunch of the regiments of skiffs, and it was like saying my list was illegal. And I didn't really mess with ambush that much, right? I was like, why isn't this working? And I was like, oh, these things fly. All flyers are treated as regular. I took a second, and I looked at my army that I'm like putting my blood, sweat, and I mean my Twilight Kin, my Almantic Twilight Kin, I'm desperately trying to paint to the absolute best I can. And I looked over, and I was like, oh, none of this will work. None of that is going to work. None of this is going to work. I don't know. I may have to go deep into the Rob, the Papa, Grandpa Rob coffers. I'm bringing the ogres up for Christian to play. Okay, so maybe I'll play that. We'll figure something out. But it's super fun. We had a blast. We had a blast last year playing in the team tournament. Rob and I did. So it's it's a it's a super fun event. It was a great event. So I've been working on a lot of stuff. Like just as you say, you've sort of hit that sort of paint gamer fatigue hobby funk. I'm like in the other thankful i'm riding the other train like i'm chasing that dragon where i'm in a hobby mode right now so i'm just trying to paint as much as i possibly can because i have like a good vibe going so i'm just trying to ride that train get on that uh the alimony pony and just keep going for as much as i can while i have this desire to paint so i finished my phantoms horde of my impalers uh, i switched up my list for adepticon and I'll, I'll i'll let you know what i changed and you can guess right away why i did it i had two hordes of flea wardens and i swapped them for two hordes of impalers because 64 models is a little bit longer to paint than 10 so i'm going to be running three hordes of impalers instead of i had the horde of impalers and two infantry hordes i'm still going to do the infantry hordes as for the list but adepticon is a it's a huge tournament it's very expensive to go so I really wanted to unveil the Twilight Kin and Adepticon as their first event. So I was like, you know what? Let me get on the Universal Battle. So I started playing some games, you know, with Tom Manis, Keith Randall, my normal, my normal partners with the the three Impaler Horde list. And it's doing pretty well. So I, I feel comfortable bringing it. And I love the the Impaler model is like my favorite of the uh, post Europe hard plastic Mantic kits. It's it's just, yeah, it's just an awesome model. Uh, they're so flavorful. I just absolutely love them. I know uh, we had talked on the show before, Rob, about Dungeon Saga. So I'm using the Twilight Kin models from Dungeon Saga as my crew for the skiffs. So in the Dungeon Saga set, there's an archer. There is a, uh, a fighter with two daggers. There is a fighter with a polearm. And then there are two different wizard-ish looking models. So I'm using the archer 
the daggers and the polearm as my crew for the skiffs. So it's a mixture of those. So each boat will have like a bow guy, either a dagger guy or a polearm guy, or maybe one boat will have a polearm guy and a dagger guy and no bow. But the Dungeon Saga models are ever so slightly smaller, but that means in the skiffs, they look really good. I can fit two in there and they don't look overloaded. It looks just fine. And then I think what I'm going to do, since there isn't really an on-foot crone, I think they may have put one in the in the the vault. Yeah, I think you can print Lothiel, but I'm going to take, there's two crones and then one special crone from Dungeon Saga. And in my list, I have three crones, one crone with Conjuring Staff. So I think I'm going to use those as my crones. So, because I think it's cool. I think we've heard a lot about all Mantic, but we haven't seen a lot of using Mantic models as stands-ins or conversions for other things. I'm hoping my that will make my, since, you know, everyone's all hotness about taking skiffs, at least my skiffs will have, like, unique. And I only have three in my list. I don't have 11,000. But so I'm working on that. I, I did my program management. So I have a thing in my wallet, a piece of folded paper that has how many days till Adepticon. And each morning I cross the day off and I look at how much I have to paint because I'm just really dedicated to get this army done in time. But I've been having an absolute blast painting and I've been using my airbrush a lot. This is my first project ever using an airbrush. So uh, that's been fun. Yeah, and that's basically all my thing is getting a, a little bit of UB in when I can. And then other than that, it's just getting the Twilight Can Army done. What about you, Andy? I know when you work in the field, sometimes you don't quite get to do as much for fun, but I hope you're still staying connected to your love of the hobby during this time. Do you have anything on your hobby desk or that you're working on? It's funny because um, somebody asked me this recently about sort of, you know, working in, working now for Mantic, taking some of the love off the off, off the edge of your hobby or anything like that. But I, what I would say is, is it's actually focused my hobby a bit more because I've always enjoyed playing and painting Mantic games and painting, painting Mantic models. However, when I was doing my old YouTube stuff, I, I was kind of skimming around lots of different games, lots of different systems, trying to keep abreast of all the different things that were going on. And I think I probably spread myself really thin uh, where now because i'm i don't have to kind of keep abreast of every single thing that's going on i kind of got time to focus on the things that i like so i've actually i decided to start kings of war army for myself this year so I, i've been toying i've been doing some test models for some ogres and i've been doing some test models for some empire of dust to try and see if i can get a, a paint scheme that really kind of sort of pops out and goes, yep, I'm, I'm committed to painting that level of models or that amount of models to that level. Um, so I'm playing with that at the minute, but I've, I've been playing a lot of games as opposed to painting recently. So we um, recently at home, we uh, rearranged what used to be a spare bedroom and we've turned it into a bit of a, um, a bit of a board game room now with the family. So it's like we've actually got like a proper table in there and chairs. And because it's well lit in there, it's quite a nice place to go and sit and play games together as a family. Uh, so, yeah, we've been, we've been playing a lot of games, actually. So rather than painting and hobbying, I've been getting things to the table. And me and my son had uh, uh, a bit of a boys' day yesterday. My son's seven years old, so he's not particularly very old. But we had we got Dungeon Saga at the table and uh, played through the first campaign level yesterday and enjoyed that. So, yeah, that's what I've been up to. 
Yeah, we just had an episode about the you know the next generation. How do we bring the next generation of gamers? Yeah, I, ju- I just listened to that. Yeah, because we're all getting older, right? Old. And eventually, there's there can't be seventy year old Jeremy and seventy year old Rob at the game store rolling dice by ourselves. You know, we got to think about. Yeah. So, with your son, how much of it are you letting him sort sort of lead the way? Are you trying to encourage him to want to get into it? I, I imagine there's like a balance there. Some of it, it has because. He sees me making YouTube videos. He already kind of, in his head, that's kind of cool. Like, that. dad's on YouTube kind of thing. So he's always been interested in what I was doing. And then because I was doing that with um, with tabletop games, he always kind of had one eye on what it was. And when he was a little younger, he was really interested in wanting to, to sit and paint. So he would sit at the table and I would I would give him some kind of, uh, I remember getting the, the kind of, uh, the Mantic Zombies from uh, Walking Dead and that kind of thing, and just letting them just take some pain to it, you know, just go at it, have some fun. We can sit together at a table, we can have a chat, um, and it's some nice father and son time. And as he's got a little bit older, he's less inclined to the painting side now, but he's really interested in the gaming side. And so we play a lot of board games together, but he's, he's starting to kind of get interested in the miniatures and the idea of them sort of being a lot more attractive than maybe a couple of sort of plastic tokens on a board kind of thing. So when, when I was recording the dungeon saga videos for Mantic last year, when the Kickstarter was coming out um, the guys came to my place and recorded the videos and then left the, um, left the demo copy behind. So I could do some kind of pickup shots afterwards. And I, and I decided to have a game with my son then with the, uh, with the demo copy and there, uh, I essentially let him, make the decisions. I just kind of give them the options. They don't, these are the kind of things you can do. Which model do you want to do? Do you want, do you want to shoot a lightning bolt? Do you want to, do you want to get in nice and close and swing the ax kind of thing and, and kind of make it almost into a little bit of a D and D story kind of thing and let him roll the dice and, and play the story out. So he's enjoying that side of it, I think. So for him, it's, it's almost like play playing out the stories, I guess, as opposed to playing games. And I wonder if that's like a good tool if you were to ask someone like, how do I introduce young people to this type of gaming? Try to set with them that there is a structure to the game, but if they want to just sort of have fun and do their own thing, that that's that's okay when you're first learning, right? We kind of stick to the rules the best we can, and he gets the right number of actions, and he moves the right number of squares, and but but the choices and the and the story that he's telling through through kind of choosing those actions are his story. So if I remember correctly, you came to miniature gaming later in life, right? It was not something you did as a kid? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I remember kind of like, I remember my my cousin had kind of soldiers and stuff like that. And he was more into, looking back, it was kind of more historical gaming. And I remember seeing them in cabinets when I was a kid at a cousin's house. And I remember like friends having an older brother who kind of painted miniatures, but I was never really into it, didn't have a didn't really have the spare funds at, at that age to be able to kind of to, to do that. And it wasn't something until I was much older, probably in my early thirties and um, my oldest sons who have just turned 21 now, um, when they were first born, I kind of, I was at home and looking for a hobby and spending a lot more time at home. Cause I used to kind of basically go away, watch a lot of sports, travel to away games, and that kind of thing, ride motorbikes. <laughs> All of a sudden I found myself at home a lot more. Um, and that was when I got into it. I kind of saw a games workshop in the high street and picked up some models just to sit and paint, really not even ever considering I would get into playing games or anything like that. I know. I mean, I know I came up, I had an older sibling who was into it and that's what got me into yeah. it was you have a like an older brother or sister who's into miniature gaming and already it's cool. Yeah. And then it was like the models um, were just so neat. So I think it's interesting 
in doing wargaming and miniatures in our hobby, we have people from all walks of life, yeah. right? From lawyers and doctors and film yeah. actors. And it's just so interesting how this hobby really pulls in people from like so many different uh, spectrums, you know? I think the interesting thing with me not getting into it until I was much older was I don't have the sort of nostalgic pull that a lot of people do to certain kind of game systems or certain companies. And it's certainly, as I got in, like the internet was a thing and you could search online and you could see all of these different things. And so, I was very quickly had my eyes open to the wide range of different things that were out there. And I didn't necessarily kind of get bogged into one game system and then play that for a long time. And I, I didn't know anybody who played. So I was looking for gaming groups and seeing that people played lots of different games. So yeah, I've got, a, I, I guess my approach into the hobby is very different. Yeah, because it's, I, I remember that Dave Chappelle skit with Rick James when he's like, cocaine's a hell of a drug. It's like, <laughs> nostalgia's a hell of a drug, right? Like, nostalgia yeah. will let you put the rose-covered... Like, when you play certain games, you're like, this game is old, it's the design mechanics are <laughs> old, but you put on your rosy-colored, yeah. I've had a couple pint glasses, yeah. and you want to feel like you were when you were 12. Well, that's again. it, it, tra it, that, it, tra that it transports yeah. you back to those feelings. In the same way, when I watch kind of He-Man cartoons or Transformers cartoons, it transports me back to being that age where I don't have that nostalgia of a tabletop game. And so I've kind of, my, my that's why my, my tastes are a bit more eclectic, I guess. Because if you could put nostalgia in a pill and sell it, you'd become the richest person in the world. Absolutely, yeah. You know, and I think there's a reason why, you know, if you guys were here with us, we're recording and we have our cameras on so we can, you know, as we're having this conversation. And if Rob slightly moved his camera, you would see his amazing collection of G.I. Joe's. <laughs> you know, there's a reason why, like, we love these things. Or if you went to my house, you'd see my Optimus Prime Lego above my miniature case so it's just interesting to me as that generation gets older you now have things that uh we hit, we we have money to spend yeah. now so it's interesting to see like things that were as toys that when you were a kid but once you're old enough they now are pieces of fine art yeah. you know like whatever you would do to have that that little joy of being a, a kid again uh, <laughs> um you know, so that's why one of the reasons why I love miniature gaming because I get my little dudes out, I start painting them, and to me, I'm, I'm reminded of like those Saturday afternoons when you were a kid and your buddies came over and you get through one turn of whatever game you're playing after eight hours of just like you know playing with your your uh, toys, and I just think it's such an enriching hobby. I mean, what's your thoughts on you know before we specifically get into sort of your role with Mantic, yeah. the miniature game hobby itself? Yeah. As far as the benefits to your life, can you just riff on that idea a little yeah, bit? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, for, for me personally, like I say, I started this because I was I was at home a lot. Like my my friends were basically sort of they they weren't married, they didn't have children, they were still riding motorbikes and still going to a, sort of sports games, and I was at home a lot. And so I essentially was looking for something that would occupy my time, keep my brain busy. I had a busy job. I worked long hours and it was nice to come home. The kids would be sort of going to bed and, and something to relax. And so painting was the thing for me, the way I could actually switch my brain off, wind down. I wasn't kind of sort of, I wasn't sitting having a having a bottle of whiskey to wind down at the end of the day. I was, I was kind of sitting painting. And then over time, I realized that as you, as you grow up and you have young children and stuff, your friendship group sometimes changes a bit and because people are doing different things. And that was when I went looking for a gaming group to basically kind of expand my social circle and try and find other people who had the same interests that I had. And so for me personally, without gaming and without the hobby, 
I I probably wouldn't as as a guy like middle aged guy. I would I wouldn't have a social circle if it, if it wasn't for hobby and it wasn't for gaming. So yeah, outside of the whole of the fact that it's my job now, um, yeah, that's that's what's been important. And even getting started with making YouTube videos was really about reaching out to a wider community. It wasn't it wasn't about the ideas of fame and fortune and getting my face on camera. When I started YouTube, it was very much an extension of the old kind of forums and things where instead of posting pictures or posting a, a little bit of a, a text about what you've been up to, people recorded YouTube videos and kind of shared them with other YouTube channels who were almost a community of people who were just showing what they were doing, really. So it's, it's evolved a bit now. But yeah, even even going back to that, it was about community and about social circle and about just like you say, reaching out to people you'd you'd never be able to cross paths with in general life, but the love of gaming and the love of painting kind of brings you together. Yeah, I mean it's a really powerful thing. I know I I got back in the gaming and in twenty sixteen after a little break, I was finishing grad school and was really stressed and was looking for that. You know, people long to belong, mm-hmm, yeah. right? You want you need fellowship in your life, and some people get that fellowship from from church or from their family or where, wherever you want to get mm-hmm. it from you know, lots of different sources. But in general, I really think there's a reason why I think humans have families because we see fellowship and community enriches your life. Right. So uh, war war gaming has been so much like for that, for, I don't know me and for Robin, I know like when I went through my divorce last year, all my gaming friends were like, we got you, you know, we got your back. And, you know, I mean, I know Rob, I'm curious, you know, as also like a family guy yourself, uh, has that been your experience too as you've gotten older that a, a big part of your social circle has come from your gaming friends? 100%. Family's number one, but obviously, you know, if I'm not spending time with family, then it's going to be people that, that I game with because that's most of my interactions outside of the home. Exactly. Yeah, and that's why one of the things when when I think about, because I think 2024, and we're going to get into this, I'm, I'm hoping that 2024 is the year, I'm, we kind of, in our year 2023, year in review show we were sort of like what's our main goals as a podcast and a community going into 2024 and it's really how do we grow the community you know that wants to i think for all of us that that's going to be our north star going into 2024 is how do we take this game system that we love this company that we love and how do we get it in front of more eyeballs how do we get it more you know how do we get it more uh brand recognition so i'm curious you know is that sort of like resonating with you too? I know, I know in hearing Mantic itself, it sounds like 2024, one of your guys' goals is going to be like with the ambush and the free Kings of War rule books and really trying to, uh, how do we get our games in front of as many eyeballs as possible? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. It completely resonates. I mean, and, and to really boil down to why, why I have a job with Mantic really is my job is to get more eyes on what Mantic do and to bring more people to the community and grow the community. And Mantic as a company obviously have aspirations of growing from a, a business size and from a, a financial size. Of course they do, but that doesn't happen unless more people come and buy their models and play their games and talk about them and introduce their friends. Uh, and that doesn't happen if Mantic don't make cool products for people to buy so yeah it's my job really to to take all of the good things that mantic do and and put them out in front of people and to sort of be a little bit of a a hub i suppose for that community and to show that the company actually cares about the community by constantly supplying them with content and information and making them feel part of it 
make that community feel that the the it's a place that they want to be involved in and a place that they want to share with their friends and say there's something cool happening here come along and kind of join us and in sort of seeing the evolution of you know andy you come from the blackjack legacy mm. which is your youtube channel and and in, in, in having always followed your channel and many times I'd try when you would do your live streams, you're in the UK, yeah. I'm in California, but I'd always try to hop in and say, hey, man, really love what you're doing. But it seems like you had this sort of evolution, right, where you had your your live streams, your videos, which covered all the games you were interested yeah. in, right? And again, as a content creator, you exist within the auspice. If I put 40 and K <laughs> in a title, I'm going to get thousands of more of views, course, yeah. so I, you know, uh, but through last year, I, there was kind of a, a period where all of a sudden you started have you started doing more what looked to me formal interviews filmed with like Ronnie with Mantic. Was that sort of the genesis of when you started to maybe have that conversation about fully coming on to Mantic full time? Or take us to the origin of you working for Mantic, where that came from. My YouTube channel started seven years ago, back in 2016. November 2016 and my first videos I ever did were Walking Dead I could basically I backed the Kickstarter as a as a fan and the Kickstarter come and I decided I was going to try and kind of make some videos and see what all that was about and I did an unboxing of my Kickstarter so the, my very first videos were Mantic and I'd never really spoken to anybody at Mantic back prior to that and the videos did did okay and and I think Mantic must have saw them and the the kind of uh basically kind of reached out and said you know like really good stuff kind of thing and and i guess that struck up a bit of a relationship and over time they would maybe reach out and kind of say you know we've got something new coming would you like us to send you a review copy or something like that as the channel kind of grew a little bit and my reach grew and so we always had a a very informal kind of there was no sort of friendship or anything like that in terms of like you know i didn't know anybody at mantic it was very much a a kind of a, a transactional type thing i enjoyed the games they kind of enjoyed my videos and they would send me bits and pieces. And then over time, I kind of met Ronnie a few times and I met Rob, who was there at the time. And we started to kind of build up a little bit. Fast forward a bit further to 2020, when I decided to go full time with the YouTube channel, I converted my, my, my double garage at home. I'd converted it into a studio at home so I could sort of um, kind of raise my game, be a bit more professional, I suppose. And at that point, um Mantic would use me for the odd video to come out. So they would they would they would pay me and I and I would basically rent my studio and I, my editing abilities and that kind of thing. And I would make some videos for them that they would then use on their channel. So things like their Dead Zone, how to play Dead Zone videos, their how to play firefight videos. I filmed and recorded all of those and edited them and basically handed them over to Mantic. So I was starting to do the odd little piece of work in the background for them. And then there was a point where I, I did speak to Ronnie and Rob about potentially working for Mantic. But at that point in time, they were really looking for somebody to be full-time at Nottingham in the in the office every day. I don't live in Nottingham. I'm about 160 miles away further north in the, in the northeast of England. And they wanted somebody full time, and and I and I said that, you know, I'm I'm not prepared to kind of move for a job or anything like that. So we just we carried on as we were. I always keep doing my YouTube stuff. We had a good relationship. And um, they would ring me sometimes and say, you know, would, would you want do you want to come and do a video with Ronnie? We've got some stuff to talk about. It might be interesting. But it was it was more kind of just uh, that kind of stuff. And then I would say maybe last year 
I was starting to think about, in much as you were saying about what's the future of kind of countercharge, I was starting to think, what's the future of Blackjack Legacy? My channel didn't really focus on um, on the main games workshop stuff, which is where the views are, which is where the you know the main area is. But the GW games aren't games I particularly have enjoyed. I think the miniatures are fantastic, but I've never really particularly enjoyed the games. And I was all I always said I would only really make videos about the things I was enjoying and the things I was passionate about. Um, and and I kind of got a feeling that I'd grown the channel to, I think it was about 19,000 subscribers. I was getting good views. I had lots of support from the community, but it felt like it had plateaued a little bit and I wasn't really sure what the next stage was. It felt like it was time for a bit of a shake up. And about that time, Johnny, who was the um, the uh, the content guy at Mantic, basically decided to leave. He, he wanted to pursue his career back with uh, horticulture, which is where his his kind of his passion was. And and I basically reached out to Ronnie and said, if you need any help in the short term while you're looking for somebody else, because I knew Ronnie was preferring somebody to be full time at Mantic in the in the office. If you need any help in the short term while you're looking, um, I'm more than kind of happy to try and help out a little bit. And so. In October, when they had the open day, um, Ronnie contacted me and said, look, is it, we don't have anybody making videos at the minute. Is there any chance you could come and record a few videos for the open day um, for our channel um, and do that for us? Then I said, yeah, absolutely no problem at all. So I, I'd gone down for the open day. We filmed, I think it was like three or four videos, one for sci-fi, one for fantasy, and one for board games and a little bit of an introduction. Um, and... And while I was there, we sat we sat and had a conversation about you know the, the future and the potential. And I said, look, obviously, you know, nothing's really changed from the last time we chatted. I, I can't move. Um, I, I can't be full time in the office. However, I believe that um, I'm going to spend most of my time either in a room filming things or in a room with headphones on editing things. So actually, I don't really need to be in the office to do that kind of thing. And so we we sat and we had a conversation. They said, "Look, we're gonna we're gonna we're looking for sort of a few positions at the moment. I'm going to advertise those positions. Um, but if you if you if you think it's something you'd like to do, then f- like kind of feel free to apply for one." So I I applied when those job opportunities came up. I applied like everybody else that did, and I had my interview and I went down and I kind of pitched pitched what I thought I could bring to the role. Um, and we had a conversation basically about how how would it work me not being in Nottingham and how would it work me traveling sort of backwards and forwards and how do I think I could improve some things and uh, and then I was offered the role so it kind of went from a point in time it was it was almost the the right the right thing at the right time for me in terms of I was looking for what was the next step for me and I love making videos I love the tabletop hobby. I was really passionate about doing what I was doing, but I, I couldn't see what the next step was, and and when this opportunity came up, it, it was, it was just like the, exactly what I was looking for at the right time. I think. And isn't that so funny in life? Mm-hmm. You know, they say like, when the student is ready, the master shall appear. <laughs> but it's like the idea in life where it's like, let go, let be, let go, let God, or whatever. You don't have to think about it. A religious God, let go, let let the universe guide yeah. you a little bit. Right, that you never know, like. My degree is in ancient Mediterranean history, mm. and I work as a social worker, basically. And I just happen to get a job, and the next thing you know, six years later, it's a career. Yeah. And it's just funny how um, 
life takes you down these roads. But and it's in watching your stuff, those Mantic open day videos yeah. to me felt like, oh, this is interesting. This is like in, in, a, in an audience member, it was definitely like, oh, wow, this is cool. Yeah. I remember watching it and I was like, oh, Mantic. And one of the things we talked about in our year-end review is Mantic doing more short-form YouTube video yeah. stuff and like the power of that. So that's 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 exciting that sort of in this post pandemic world, right, where more where now we have a little bit more infrastructure, I yeah. guess, and understanding around working remotely yeah. and what that means. Yeah, definitely. Right. So take us into uh, the interview room. <laughs> you know, Ronnie's there in his throne with his uh, darts are like whatever crap he's going to throw at you if you answer the wrong yeah. the wrong way. What what in your sort of we, we, we talked about like vision yeah. and stuff. What when you were sort of trying to either sell yourself or talk about what Mantic yeah. needed. How did you feel you could help them speak about that? So one of the things I was asked to do for as part of my, my presentation, I had, a, I had a busy, as part of my interview, I had a presentation to give and it was um, the, the title I was given to work on was um, what, do, what does Mantic do wrong? And that, that was where basically I had to work from. And, and I thought that sounded a bit negative. So I, I kind of turned it around and I said, like, basically, I am, um, how do I think I can improve Mantic? Because I don't think they technically do anything wrong. They do things that could be improved. And I think they do some things that maybe they could do differently or they could do better. But I wouldn't say they're necessarily, or they're certainly not doing anything wrong intentionally. It's not like they're going out there to kind of upset anyone. And and I basically hinged my presentation on um, on communication, on clarity, on uh, community, um, and really around how how we approach getting the message out to people about what Mantic stand for, about where the, what their what their their future goals are. How did how do they make people feel that they're part they're on the journey with Mantic as a company? Because Mantic are Mantic are a company that I think people want to do well. They don't they don't see Mantic as a as a kind of a faceless corporation. They don't see them as the as the big evil kind of thing. They see it as a bunch of people who are passionate about what they do and and just the same as the customer base, basically. It's it's a company that is run by people who are, are passionate about gaming and about miniature painting and and about tabletop hobby. And I, and it's really about just trying to get that out to people and let people see it. And I've been critical of, of Mantic's sort of YouTube presence and their social media presence in the past. It's not something that they've really focused on. I, I, th- I think, like, as you mentioned earlier, that, that it's been a company where people wear many hats. It was one of the reasons Ronnie wanted somebody full-time in the office because there's lots of other jobs that need to be done as well, not just making videos. And I think that's one of the things that's changing a little bit now. There's a, There's certainly a case now of employing people to do the thing they've been employed for and whilst we we all still kind of we all muck in and we all help each other out and we all do bits and pieces there's an element of what that what ronnie's essentially said to me is you know that, that that's that's your job you just focus on 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 that community side on the on the um on the content side so so, so I, I work as part of the marketing team my, my title is um creative marketing manager and uh, essentially i'm responsible for all of the bits that you see around sort of social media and uh, with help with, with Dan and um, with Elliot as well, a couple of the other guys in the office, but essentially anything that you kind of see on video will have, will have come through me at some point, whether I've kind of been part of creating it or I'm hosting it or I'm 
sort of editing it and uploading it and that kind of thing. Again, you know, shout out to all the people who have made videos for Mantic. Yeah. I know I love when I you see a video from Kyle or but he's the sales manager, well, right? That's right yeah. So like again, when you talk when you talk about who's wearing what hat, you know, yeah, he, he can make a video or he can focus on what the actual job title is. So I mean, yeah. I think the clarification of roles within any agency Again, the more you're clarified on what your vision, mission, values are, and the more connected you are to what is my thread in the tapestry of Mantic, what is my thread, I want to excel at that part, right? Sometimes having a jack-of-all-trades, masters of none is okay, but not when everyone is a jack-of-all-trades and a master of none in a company. That can't can't work. No, that's it. You're definitely having clear goals, having clear responsibilities. Like how, How does Ronnie... In six months' time, say, has Andy been successful if I'm spending one day a week packing boxes in the warehouse and I'm spending one day a week helping out in the gaming store? And, you know, my focus is around growing the community, making people excited about the products that we're releasing, making sure people are informed, making sure people are kind of aware of what we're doing. And, and that's where I'll be judged. So that, that's where my focus is. As we talked about, if you have a smart goal or yeah. anything, uh, uh, result, results-based accountability or having some form of uh, articulable metric to know, is what we're doing helping or not yeah. helping? I mean, you can have an- anecdotal thoughts around a direction a company or agency should go, but unless you have something to compare that compare what you're doing to, yeah. there's no way to know, is what we're trying working yeah. or do we need to try something exactly. else? Ultimately, it, it has to translate into sales at some point. I mean, whether we want to kind of think about it from that uh, that kind of corporate side of things, you know, Mantic are a business and Mantic need to make money to continue to move forward. If what I'm doing gets everybody feeling warm and fuzzy but doesn't actually translate into the company growing, then it's, you know, is it really worth paying me my wage for, to be there kind of thing If that in that case? So, yeah. so there has to be like a, a an ultimate goal at the end of it, but it should almost be a side effect of the fact that if I do things right and if I help Mantic, that that will naturally happen. It's so the so my goal is not to sell more miniatures. My goal is to grow the community, and then because the community doubles in size, we sell twice as many miniatures. That's the kind of thing. I really love that attitude, where it's the idea of do I treat the symptom or do I tackle the yes. cause, right? Which is the symptom? Let's say in this example, the symptom is people aren't buying enough Mantic models. If I just go to that, I don't understand. Well, yeah. why? Why aren't people buying more Mantic models? Whereas if you try to build the community, make the game systems more robust, yes. make sure the models being designed are awesome, then, like you said, a, a side effect will be people will buy more Mantic models. Yeah, that's it. So yeah, so as as I mentioned before, it's kind of like my focus is really about. You know, community has always been important to Mantic. Ronnie, Ronnie would tell you that as well. Like the one of Mantic's strengths is the strength of its community, and I, I just want to kind of give the community the things that they've maybe been asking for and haven't got in terms of awareness. You know, how hard is it for you to go into a gaming store and, and try and convince a gaming store owner to stock Mantic products? when the the feedback is always, well, no one plays. And it's, well, why does no one play? Well, because no one really knows about it or or because it's hard to get their hands on product. And and is it hard to get stuff because gaming stores don't see Mantic kind of advertising their product or such or or, or kind of being out there in the the world of gaming? So, yeah, it's just... I guess where I've been critical in the past is that it's it's one of those things, if if you don't see it, you don't know about it, and you and it's really hard to point somebody in the direction if there's nothing to point them to. 
So I, I'm trying to kind of yeah. increase that digital footprint, so to speak. And we had a really interesting conversation a couple of years ago. We had Ash Barker yeah. on from Gorilla Miniature Gaming, big YouTuber. And I'm curious your thoughts. Obviously, Mantic makes a ton of games, yeah. right? But I would say one of their flagship games is Kings of yeah, War, yeah, right? definitely, one yeah. of the uh, flagship yeah. properties, right? And this whole idea of it's figure agnostic. And I think in the beginning, that was great, yeah. right? It was bring your armies, come try our game. Mm-hmm. Then maybe you'll buy some of my models. But I feel like, and Rob and I have shared, we have this frustration, yeah. our two, and we're full Mantic now on this podcast, yeah. both because the quality of model has increased, and also it's time to put your money where your mouth yeah. is when you want a company to succeed. But we were talking about Ash about this sort of idea of if you're playtesting a game in the store, you want to be able to ask, where on the shelf is this? Yes. And if it's not on the shelf, you're like, well, why are these guys playing a game that they don't even want to buy the models for? I'm going to go play something else. Yeah. It's hard because it's really a double-edged sword because people come up with amazing ideas. But yet, in the end, I think Kings is succeeding in areas of the world where people are buying Mantic models. Yes. Can you speak on that a little bit? From a personal point of view, I've always enjoyed buying into a game system so if i if i want to play any particular game i like to say right well i'm interested let's say firefight for example i'm interested in firefight what armies can i buy for firefight and i like to buy the official stuff there's so, there's something about buying the official stuff so that when i'm playing against my opponent he goes oh yeah i know what a tunnel runner looks like i know i know what i know what vehement kind of um model looks like so for me it's always just been easier and for me it's been part of that experience and speaking for myself here not speaking for monday my understanding is being that Kings of War has never really been advertised or promoted as technically model agnostic. I think it it was a created as a game where Mantic wanted to sell models, but they they wanted to bring people into the Mantic sphere. They wanted them playing Kings of War. It was at a time when the old world was on its way out, and they said, you know, bring your model across and try the game out. And I think the idea was always come and try it, and then when you buy your next army, your next army will it'll be a Mantic army and we'll get your foot in the door kind of thing. So f- from a, from a personal opinion, I kind of, I've always found it a little bit frustrating when I hear people saying Kings of War is a model agnostic game. Cause I've never thought it was in no more way that Warhammer 40 K is, is a, isn't a model agnostic game. You can use whatever models you want for Warhammer 40 K as well. It's, it, it seems to be something that's perpetrated over time. You know, it's, it, it's people believe it's model agnostic and therefore there's a case of, you know, use what you like. But I think that's true of any game. I think I think if you really want to play any game, you can use any model you like. Kings of War is no different in that. And the fact that there's a really, really strong model range now for, for a lot of their armies. Some of their armies that were created were really just created to try and cater to that crowd that didn't have a game to play at, at a particular time. Does that make sense? I mean, every rule system, play with whatever models you want. Yeah. You own the game. You can do what you want, right? Yeah. You're absolutely right. Mantic has never said the game is, is model yeah. agnostic. Not the brightest thing for a business to do. Yeah. It's almost shooting yourself in the foot. You don't make a lot of money selling rule books, especially when you give the rules away for free. So I think it's just one of those things that's kind of almost grown up in urban legend now, that Kings of War is model agnostic. When they started... They had lots of army lists. Yeah. Not a lot of models. Yeah. And like you said, I think they wanted people to come play the game. Yeah. They'd rather have you play Kings of War with other people's models than not play it at all. Yeah. But we're at a point now where the areas that are significantly growing are the ones that are attached with Mantic models. Yeah. It's a real shame. And I think like if you 
you get some bigger game systems. I mean, let's let's say Warmer Forty K, biggest game system out there. The community polices that system itself to say we're only going to use GW models because generally there are people who 3D print stuff. There are people who will use alternative stuff. There are people who use, you know, like sort of one page rules type stuff or whatever it is. But the community generally is the policing of that. It's not, it's not necessarily games workshop that comes along and says, you must use our models. You must use your, their models at their flagship stores and, and at their tournaments that they officially run. But in general, you can use whatever you want, but the community kind of, almost polices it it's almost flipped on its head a little bit when it comes to kings of war where it's almost become open season that you really can use whatever you want and, and, and it's almost encouraged in some quarters to use whatever you want like i say that's that's not a mantic thing that's just a personal opinion and sometimes what you hear from those people is like well if i couldn't 3d print that's what i love about this game system yeah okay i understand yeah. that and i don't want to like i don't want to poo poo on your cheerios no, no. but on the other <laughs> hand if you want the game system to grow Rank and Flank is already a niche within a niche, yes. right? Of miniature wargaming, which is sort of like niche. I would say 40K is kind of crossed over into the mainstream, yeah. but in general. And then within that, you have Rank and Flank gaming, which is a more subsection. You look at other small games, like I think what's been happening with Conquest over the last year or so is really interesting in that Rank and Flank game, small company, you look at their numbers at Adepticon and it's growing. It's grown over last year whereas Clash is down slightly. So I'm kind of curious. I'm like, well, what is this company doing well? Because I think success of others is an important aspect of growth mindset is when you see success of others, instead of being mad, yeah. you look at and see, well, well, what are they doing that's doing well? What can we emulate? What, can, what best yeah. practice can we steal? Yeah, and I think that company has a really interesting world. It has really interesting models. And the game system says you have to play our models. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know how you do it. I don't know if the genie is out of the bottle. It's hard to put the cat back in the bag, right? Yeah, how do you put the genie back in the bottle is what I'm asking. And I think the real problem is the fact that they have so many armies still that don't have models. Yeah. It's kind of a catch-22. It's tough because because it's almost a case of some of the armies were never, ever going to have models. Or that was the intention, certainly. They were just there to almost... from. To, to their detriment, just trying to cater to people and to bring them in and say, please come and play here. You've got an army that nobody else caters for. Here's, here's a list for it. Just bring it over and come and play. We're not going to make models for it because, you know, like there's a there's a thousand sort of human style armies out there. Why would we just repeat the same models everybody else makes? Much more, if like almost you get in the historical world in terms of kind of, you know, we're not just going to make a like a French army because there's French armies out there from all over the place kind of thing. So. There's elements of that, but I guess I've got the the awareness of, of from doing the YouTube channel that I did. I got to work with lots of different companies, and I got to speak to lots of different companies, and I got to test out lots of different game systems, and I got to speak and be part of lots of different communities and understand where some areas were doing well and where some areas were maybe not doing so well. Maybe there were some areas I definitely didn't want to get involved in were maybe a little bit toxic and understand what, what are some people doing well and where are they succeeding and learn from that. And you mentioned kind of conquest and I guess, I mean, they came in and, and made their models a different scale to everybody else. For It was one thing. The way the game system works with the, with the, base, and the base system makes it very difficult to then go out and sort of bring models in from other systems. So they set their stall out really to like, you're going to use our models kind of thing. I'm assuming, like I say, I'm 30 odd days into the job. I don't want to speak for behalf of the company in, in terms of this, but 
they much prefer people to be buying Mantic models at this point in time now. I think there's a, there's a, you're right, not every army has every model catered for, but there's enough now, I think, that if you're looking to get into Kings of War or you're looking for a new army, there's a lot of choice now. And there's some very, very good models now where 10 years ago was a very different story. This is a really interesting topic to have because I think it really is. There's kind of a couple different things that float in the the ether when you're when you have sort of these conversations with either people who work for Mantic or community leaders. It's this idea of how do we grow the game? Rob Zatio and we himself and we've talked about maybe US needs like a premier kind of like we used to have a tournament called Wapaka that was very much a hobby focused tournament yeah. and just flat out say this tournament only Mantic models. Yeah. You know, we're going to promote. But then the fear is... Nobody comes. Yeah. Three people with Mantic armies. And no, whereas before, if we said you could bring whatever yeah. you want, it's 30 people. But it's like, are we dying by a thousand cuts where that 30 person of non-Mantic armies next year is 28 and then is 18 and then is seven? Is it better to just go back to the formula and build back up? That's what GW did with the old world, right? Yeah. They came out and said, we're only going to give you seven armies or whatever it is, right? Ronnie's approach has always been carrot rather than stick. He'd rather encourage people to try and kind of get them to get a Mantic army rather than punish them for not having one. And I think that's where, we've get, that's where we get the... Um, we used to get if you, if you if you win Clash of Kings, you get a flight over to the states. If you if you won at Adepticon, you got a flight over to the UK, and yeah. that was all about encouraging people and trying to reward them for having the um, having Mantic armies. And the same thing still now with if you if, you know you, you get um, limited models and things like that. There's the, the Dwarven Room now and things, the Goblin Blaster Room, all these things that Ronnie's yeah. trying to encourage people to kind of you know come and play our game we'd, we'd rather you play our game with mantic models however we'd rather you play our game than not play our game kind of thing and try and get people into the mantic community try and get them part of the fold but you're right that if you if you look at other game systems it's, it's tos who who put those sort of stipulations in place you know must be must be a, um you know official models it's it's not the games companies that are stopping people using alternative models it's it's the community itself i think and all the other communities seem okay to say it's like it's almost like a de facto. Of course, we're only going to use the model yeah. from the game system. It's not. It's not like a a controversial statement to see in an MCP tournament pack or a Legion tournament that we use official, you know, Atomic Mass games or Parabellum or whatever. And it's not controversial. But in our hobby, it's incredibly controversial. What's strange though is if you look across Mantic's other games. So if you play a firefight people don't really use alternative models. If you play a dead zone, they don't really use alternative models. If they play a Marder, they don't really use alternative models. When you used to play Dreadball, everyone played with official models. It's very much a case of all of the other game systems. This doesn't really seem to be something that crops up very much. But because Kings of War has grown off the back of alternative armies, I guess, it's almost, like like you say, is, is it a case of that death by a thousand cuts now? Is there a point where you do say, look, we need to be a bit more hardline on this? Maybe hardline's not the right word. I, I, I don't want to put anybody off playing Mantic games. You know, I, I encourage everybody to come and try it. And once you've tried the rules, you'll love the game. But there has to be a point where you support the company by buying the models as well. It's hard now. Now I'm kind of be, I'm behind the curtain now. I'm on the other side of the fence. It's hard to say this kind of stuff without it sounding like it's coming from the company. And that's not the case. This is just my opinion, I guess. But I, I don't know. I think you're right. It is. It's an interesting topic. And I don't know how 
I don't know how you change it without a bit of a change in people's opinions. You are right, 100% right, that it is the community that drives this discussion, right? You know, and we talked about, we're sort of carrying the baggage of, okay, we wanted you to play the game. Here's a bunch of lists. Bring your old armies. The other thing that works against Kings of War is that it has systematic line of sight. In other game systems, they have true line of sight. Those models are designed to be a certain proportion. Yeah. And so when you look down at the table, you can model for advantage. Yeah. Whereas in Kings of War, there is no real modeling for advantage. Yeah. It's a discussion that we're going to have to have. I think if there was an, an easy answer to this question, we'd have solved it and we'd have a 500 person clash of <laughs> yeah. uh, clash tournament at Adepticon, right? So, and again, I say these are just our opinions, like Annie says. And I love being able to make multi bases and do creative. So, I, I know that there's arguments on both sides. You know, it's not it's not an easy question to yeah, solve. I guess from my side now, as a, a Mantic staff member, what can we do to try and change that is we can make fantastic models that people want to buy. We can have fantastic paint jobs that impress people and see how cool the models are. And we can try and get them in front of people, be that virtually through content that I do or in person at things like events and shows and in stores and try and kind of increase the footprint that way. If, if we make cool stuff people want to buy, the conversation kind of goes away about using alternatives. Oh, I know I was at a tournament, team tournament in December, and I had some skiffs done and some impalers done. And I love painting. I by no means am an amazing painter, but pretty solid. And I had so many people come up to me and go, oh, wow, these look so much – these look great. Oh, these are so much bigger. And right then, it's again like what you talk about, which is first off, the rule system is yeah. there. Kings is an amazing rule system. If uh, no, if you can get someone to try it more than once, even the people who aren't on board, once they play it three or four times, I have yet to ever hear someone say, oh, I don't like this rule yeah. system. And then the models are getting better, but I don't think the the, the increasing of the quality of models, that quite hasn't – been planted in the in the mind of the community no yet. i think it's and again it's some of it comes down to what i need to do as well now is about how do i how do i show them off to their best because in in the past maybe the the focus hasn't been on that, that kind of that content of of really showing them off you know the, the some of the photographs that come out of Mantic are fantastic some of the older stuff not so much some of the older paint jobs don't show off the models like we're having discussions as well like Mantic aren't a huge company and we don't have massive amounts of kind of marketing budgets and stuff but some of the things we're looking at is you know let's let's redo some of our older paint jobs and 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 let's really show off some of the cool models that we've got because there's some fantastic models in the range that maybe aren't reflected in the in the marketing materials because it's not really showing them off to their best abilities so yeah like there's there's things like that so yeah there's a, sometimes it's just about getting them in front of people so they can make their choice it's, it's one of those things, you know, like I said before, if you don't see it, you, you don't have an opinion on it. And again, that ties back into this 2024 goal that I think a lot of people within the content creating sphere of Kings, which is we need to get it in front of eyeballs and get what get it in front of eyeballs with, prof, you know, as professional as possible. Right. Of like high quality podcasts, high quality, whatever it is. Let's let's try to. uh you know the continue to grow yeah. and uh, and professionalize and so that when youtube content or podcast content for kings 
our Mantic games, when you listen to it, you're like, oh, wow, this sounds, quality of this is good. It's one of the things I ran into as a, as a content creator when I was working for myself and doing the Blackjack Legacy stuff was if the company itself, and this is not just Mantic, it's any games company, if the company itself doesn't have a very big footprint digitally, if they don't have a, an active YouTube channel, if they don't sort of post to social media a lot, then people are not searching for that kind of stuff. If I then make videos about a game that people are not searching for, my videos don't get seen. Nobody's looking for my content kind of thing. So therefore, I would say, I would then say, well, I'm not going to make that again because nobody watches it. And it, it's, it's a, a vicious cycle of nobody searching for it, so nobody makes content for it, so nobody nobody searching for it because it's not there and it goes round and round so what i'm trying to do is to try and break that cycle by from a company point of view putting out tons and tons of content and really hyping it up and talking about it and trying to share it out the community and trying to ask the community to watch it because by watching it 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 kickstarts all of those algorithms working that people are watching stuff about kings of war people are watching stuff about mantic games and then that will change the way people find the content and then other content creators make Kings of War videos. Their stuff then piggybacks off the back of that as well. And we all start, we all kind of help each other and we all rise and we all create a bigger awareness. So it's, you know, yeah. like we, we have like mailing lists. Obviously, we send out newsletters and things like that. I can then promote other people's content by saying, this is what the community is doing and, and, and putting it out in front of people. And then hopefully if the community watches that, it starts to trigger all those kind of little algorithms in the background saying people are watching things about Kings of War. Let's recommend Kings of War. Let's recommend Mantic. And we all help each other out, really, because it's it's a re it's really hard out there in that kind of digital world. The way the way the systems work is basically it will only show you, it'll only recommend things to you that you want to see. And if you're not watching Kings of War content, it won't recommend you any. So if there isn't any out there to watch. There isn't anything to recommend, and it goes just round and round in circles. Well, I really love the recent video you did this month at Mantic. I really love. So I hope you you plan on – is that going to be like an every month sort of idea? Because yeah. I really like that. Yeah, video. so I did one in January. I think there was one went up on Friday as well for February as well. So I'm just going to keep, keep doing those once a month. It's just a little way to – uh, relatively short, a little bit of humor in them, like not keep them too serious. It's not, it's not a hard market and sell kind of thing. More just keeping people up to speed to see what's happening this month because we do, we don't have the release schedules that the likes of Games Workshop do in terms of ten new things every week. So it's good to kind of keep people up to speed and say this, this, you know, this is what's happening this month. And if it's a month where maybe there's not something that's coming out for your particular game this month still letting you know you know like you're not forgotten about you know like it, 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 if there's nothing comes out for kings this month you know it's still important to us we're working on it it's coming maybe next month and trying to keep people up to speed with what's happening because i think one of the things i've been critical of in the past is that a game can launch a new a new product can come out and then the focus just disappears from that new thing because it's like well we need to talk about the next new thing we forgot we forgot about that thing that you've just bought so it's about trying to keep that ball rolling and reminding people that, you know, just just because there's not something new every time doesn't mean that your game isn't alive and active and the community are playing the games and they're talking about it. And, you know, people, people, want, yeah, people want to know their game's alive, don't they? Perfect example of that. And we're getting ready. We're recording a Firefight episode later today with uh, some RC guys was when second edition Firefight dropped, it was 
people were really excited yeah. about it, right? You had three or three or four, besides just poor Tyler and Dreadpath Zone, you had three or four other YouTube channels doing firefight content. Yeah. People were, and that game system is amazing. Yeah. I'm a huge firefight guy, but because of how Mantic works and they can only do so much, that game sort of got lost a little bit in the shuffle of things. Yeah, definitely. Um and that's a perfect example of, again, a great game system with great underrated models, and its release was super strong. I was actually getting on my YouTube feed recommended for you of Firefight Battle Reports, yeah. and I was like, oh, this is awesome. But it's like, how do you keep that 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 interest alive when there isn't a brand new army or brand new model every week? And that really was, it was part of my selling to Ronnie, really, and I used Firefight as an example when I was saying about, you know, what can Mantic do better kind of thing, that that was one of those things and it did come at a time i think as well when there was there was some changes in the mantic staff and there wasn't as many kind of um f- sort of folks focusing on them kind of things but it but it's exactly right to keep that kind of community alive and keep that game alive when there's not new things coming out it shouldn't just be about that so this is where i can come in with doing painting videos doing law videos doing battle reports doing kind of little sneak peeks about what we're working on in the background little kind of tours around the the studio saying you know look there's something coming it might be a few months away but little sneak peeks interviews with ronnie interviews with matt talking about the background and about what they're working on it's it's that feeling of just feeling feeling like the company cares for that game that you've spent time and money on and that actually, you know, you, you're not forgotten about just because we're releasing something for Kings this month doesn't mean we've forgotten about Firefight. And just because something hasn't come out yeah. for Dead Zone for a few months doesn't mean Dead Zone's forgotten about. And, and and that's that's where that's kind of where I see my role really. Yeah, or it's like I'm getting into this main game system, and then oh now Mantic's doing the you know the Golden Girls board game or whatever. You know what I mean? And I love that they are doing stuff in other licenses. I think it's yeah. great. You know, I love that Ronnie does seem, and I was in a, a a couple years ago, I was in a hot tub with Ronnie talking about, hey, Ronnie, you guys really need to get into the 3D printing sphere. And then here we go. A couple months later, the vault, and I saw Ronnie on a video going, going Scott, you better be printing these models because <laughs> it was Ronnie, Scott Holcomb, and me and Scott Holcomb's hot tub talking about, hey, Ronnie, you guys got to get into 3D printing. <laughs> so I like that. There is an there seems to be an awareness at Mantic that we can try things. If they don't work, that's yeah. okay. Let's learn from them. Let's try something else. There seems to be a real desire to want to try to to tackle these challenges that you're talking about. I can kind of say now because I'm 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 party to those kind of conversations and those meetings that we have now and things. And you, if you've got a really really big company, it's it, it's really hard to make a decision and then reverse it, or it's really hard to make a decision. Um, because it takes a lot of time with with Ronnie and with Mantic and the size of the company, it's they're a company that can basically be very agile and they can make quick decisions and they can turn their hand to something relatively quickly and they can they can change their mind as well if things are not going like exactly as you know if something's released and it's not really hitting the mark, they can try and do something about it. I think that the the vault and the 3D printing is a really good example of that that it's something where you know, when it when it launched, I'm not really certain that they kind of had the full the full idea of where it was going was mapped out on day one. But it but each month it kind of grows and each month it becomes more solidified what the idea is and what the vault's about and how a company that is basically a miniatures a miniatures company that that you know let's be honest they they sell miniatures that's what they do and they make fantastic games. How do they integrate that 3D world in with it? And and I think I don't really see any other companies 
that are have almost a little bit of a foot in both camps at the moment. Not mainstream. I mean, you have the you guys have the who are just doing STL yeah. files, but as far as like a brick and brick and mortar game store, Mantic I think is very much leading the way. There's no blueprint to follow. It's not a case of like they've waited to see what somebody else does and then see, you know, let's just follow that path. They're the ones that's kind of out there really testing the water and and it, it could have all backfired, you know. They're kind of leading a bit of a path on that. So it's been interesting to watch as an outsider as well as somebody that's now part of it. I love the Firefight universe. If you haven't read any of the lore in either the Firefight books or the – it is a really cool universe. I know we have Epic coming out soon, right? We have the Firefight Epic Kickstarter is getting ready to start. Valentine's Day, yeah. And I know there's going to be stuff you can't share, obviously, but is it going to be in line with sort of like other Mantic Kickstarter where you're going to – is the idea you can get a little bit from each faction, or are are uh, can you, can you, is there anything you can share on what factions are going to be available in the Kickstarter? Or? I'll share the best I can, and I'll try, uh, um, and and I'll apologize to to Ronnie in advance if I say anything I shouldn't. But I'm sure. Let's be honest; it's it, it's about a week, about a week and a half away now, so people are going to be finding out pretty soon anyway. So there's there's four factions available when the Kickstarter basically launches when it's when it's when it's when it kicks off, there's gonna be four factions. So we're gonna have Forge Fathers, we're gonna have Asterians, we're gonna have Enforcers, and we're gonna have oh, what was the other one? My mind's gone blank now. Plague. Plague. That's the one. Thank you very much, Plague. So the, so those are the four factions at launch. And the idea is we we we're kind of this is all going to be kind of um plastic frames for the for the main part of this stuff. And so that that costs a few pounds in order to kind of to fund that stuff. If we then reach certain levels of funding, they will unlock further factions. And there's there's four other factions that we're looking at as part of that unlock thing. So basically, as it grows, if if the funding becomes enough, we'll be able to add a, a fifth faction. And if it becomes a bit more, we'll add a sixth faction. And I think I think we talked about, and I think Ronnie said in a video that fifth faction is looking to be um, Veman, and then there's three other factions that we're looking at, and I think we're basically going to go to like a community vote really and see which order people would like. Oh, nice! To That's see cool. which order people would like them unlocked. So there's a chance we don't get to unlock all eight because it doesn't fund as high. Um, so if we only unlock say seven of them. The community gets to choose the one that we kind of that we unlock as we go. We, we'd we'd love to unlock them all, obviously. So the more the more we fund, and that's the way we do it. There's going to be opportunities to buy um, whichever army you want. So, for example, there'll be a two player set, but that two player set you can choose the two armies that you want. It won't be a fixed. Oh, very it cool. It won't be a fixed yeah. two player set. That's what we're looking at. So that basically, if you say, right, I want for my two player set, I want. Uh, let's say we, I want plague and enforcers. You can have plague and enforcers. If you want, if you want um, forge fathers and enforcers, you can have forge fathers and enforcers. So we're we're allowing it to basically be a very much mix and match in that respect. Um, and then obviously there'll, there'll be there'll be bigger levels where you can see oh, I want I want everything. I want all factions kind of thing. We call that the Mark Zelinsky special. <laughs> yeah, I want a small tabletop kitchen table, but I will got to have all the yeah. all the factions. Honest answer is we've had the sculptors working on those first four factions and they they've been sculpted ready to kind of to to look at into where uh, the 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 actual manufacturing. But the next four factions really does depend like you know we, we can only really afford to spend the money on those 
and get them sculpted if if we get them backed, basically. So this is not some kind of fake Kickstarter of, oh, we were always going to unlock them anyway, let's just see what happens. This really is about people supporting it. Because I guess it's a, it's a little bit of a punt, this really. We don't, like, the community really kind of sang loudly about, we really want you to do this. But until until the kind of like put your money where your mouth is moment comes, it's really hard to see just how how big this will become. We think we think it'll be huge. Well, I'm excited. Like I said, I think it's a great universe. Yeah. There aren't a lot of epic scale games out really, so it, I don't think it's a super impacted no. uh, sphere. And you mentioned plastic frames. Yeah. Northern Alliance TK era Mantic started getting more of their hard plastics done in Europe, right? That's right. Yeah. Um, it seems like that relationship has gone well because the amount of hard plastics that we're getting is more and the quality is higher. Because I think, I don't know, I'm old and curmudgeon now <laughs> in my gaming and I'm like, I just, I can't do, and I can't do metal models are like yeah. big honks. I love, give me my hard plastic, yeah. you know, or give me death. So I think that's great that Mantic has been able to explore more more production in that material. Yeah, it was, it was something that was looked at basically. And I think when we start to go down to kind of this 10, 12 mil scale, for for the vast bulk of your kind of you know your main troops the things that you have lots of on the field you're going to want those to be uh to be main sort of like hard plastics so yeah that's the plan anyway so and there's more information to come we're going to be um really kind of sharing that in the next in the next few weeks leading up to the the kickstarter i've recorded a, a battle report type playthrough like a how to play type video with matt where oh awesome so that will, will the plan he says now the plan is for me to edit that over the next three days and you should see it on after that but it's all it's all recorded and ready to go and um, we had a play test day at Mantic hq where there was, I think there was something like about 14, 16 people, something like that, all play testing different factions and testing out different things. The rules are pretty much nailed down now, but that was almost like a last pass just to, to try and see um, what people thought of it and if there was anything that sprung up. And I, I was there to record that, and I, I basically interviewed everybody that was there on the day and asked them what they thought and, you know, was there any moments that kind of anything that you really enjoyed. So I've got a video to... Um, to put together for that as well, which shows you what I get, just what other gamers like 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 us really think about the game. Um, so that's got to come out as well prior to the Kickstarter, and then um, yeah, and then the Kickstarter will go live, and everybody will be able to choose what they want and uh, and to play it. But I'll, I'll be honest, small scale wargaming is not something that was ever really on my radar, and I must admit, as a as somebody that wasn't part of Mantic when it was announced, I was always thinking that's probably not really my kind of thing. I'm not really sure it's for me. Having seen the models in the flesh. And haven't seen, haven't played the game now. I must admit, I'm I'm a convert. I never thought I would see. I would never thought I'd be somebody that would be involved in small scale kind of gaming. But I, there is something very, very cinematic about seeing a big battle with lots of small models on a tabletop. And and I, and I don't have that nostalgia from the old kind of sort of Space Marine epics and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, Epic 40K. Yeah, that was the very first box of miniatures I ever had was the old Space Marine. So to me, it's like when you talk nostalgia, little tiny tanks is like right up, you know, sign me yeah. up. So I know uh, a lot of people are excited for that. We're busy putting together the um, the Kickstarter page now with all of the panels and things like that. And we're really trying to kind of to get across just how much you get inside the boxes because it, it is impressive. And it was one of those things where it was like, what's what's really, really cool about Epic Wargaming? What what do we really want to get across? And it's the fact that you have big battles on a tabletop with lots of models. And and so we wanted to make sure we put lots of models in these boxes. And that's exactly what we've done. You know, I'm curious as we start to wrap up the show, you know, there's a lot of YouTube channels 
that are pretty big, right? That do multiple game systems. I'm thinking of uh, like play on tabletop is one that do multiple game systems. You know, mini war gaming is a little bit more GW focused, but they do other things, Ash or stuff like that. And I know sometimes companies will be like, okay, we're going to send you some money, play our game on your, on your YouTube stream or as the marketing manager, what do you sort of see as Mantic's role on how better they work with some of these industry leading YouTube studios? Is that something that you've thought about or that's on your radar? Yeah, I mean, it it is. And and certainly like like working with influencers, for example, is one of, one of my roles as well. So um, it's a case of, I think, I think. In the past, I think what generally happens is YouTube channels get big off the back of covering the big games. And then what happens is as they get big, they're looking for ways to monetize that. And then that's when things like sponsorships and paid content comes in. And that's where you see a lot of these channels covering the non-big games because sometimes they're being paid to kind of cover them. And that's no bad thing because from a a company like Mantic's point of view, we we want to get eyes on the game. The, the the worry comes is when you put them in front of people who are not not the slightest bit interested and we're, and we're never going to look at your game anyway kind of thing. So it's about using those channels that have a, an audience that are open to new games and open to new ideas um, and really t- targeting... You, you want to push on an open door, do you know what I mean? You, there's no point going in and just trying to sort of throw something in somebody's face that doesn't really want to see it in the first place so it so i think there's there's definitely opportunities but it's working with the right partners i think is probably how i would phrase it and then i think also it's that plus having the right people on the show playing the game you know what i mean with like good painted mantic armies right there's probably a lot of a lot of threads to that um to that question but I think it's 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 interesting on how do we create our own content or how do we use platforms that are already in existence if if the marriage is right yeah that's right it. Yeah. If, is it a good relationship do we uh, you know are 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 star charts in alignment for us to maybe develop something together the questions I've got are the same questions that you would have about how do I introduce the game that I love to somebody that plays something else like do, do you, you you don't go in and say your game's rubbish don't play that play mine what you what you do is you 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 play on the next table and you show them how cool it is and you get them to come to you and say that looks a really cool model or you look guys look like you're having fun what are you playing so you kind of want to it's about working with the right partners and the right channels and and i think that's why when kyle was doing uh and we miss him every day with doing master yeah. of stuff with jesse those guys personality mixture oh. was just like it was perfect they played off each other and i still go back while i'm painting and watch some of those old old videos yeah. these are just so entertaining and i know kyle is hoping to do some stuff with uh, 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 the other Kyle, yeah. uh, I know uh, they're looking at starting to, to do more videos, but yeah, I think it's like, yeah, trying to find that excellent mixture because I don't want to watch, Hey, I'm new to Kings of war. I don't know if I want to play this game. And then I watch a battle report and the models look like crap and they don't really know the rules. You could tell that it's a shell thing. It's interesting. You say that because it's people don't really watch games. People watch people and it's people watch people who have an infectious personality and who are interesting to watch or listen to so you you guys have a have a popular podcast because people like 
they like hearing what you say and they like hearing how you say it. And your personality is, is what makes Countercharge what it is. And it's the same when it comes to watching YouTube videos and things. Personality is so important. Like I, I've always thought it's sometimes, I mean, you, you, of course you want to see the models on the table and you want to see the dice rolls and that kind of stuff. But a lot of it is really what you're watching is you're watching two folks having fun. That, that's really what you, that's the, the entertainment aspect of it. So yeah, it's it, it's interesting that you say that because getting getting the right folks and you're right, like Kyle, Kyle is infectious to watch as well and he does a really good job of it. I think that's something Mantic has going for them. Yeah. What other wargaming companies do you know as well as people in our community who know Ronnie? Yeah. Right? Very few game systems. Do you, are companies, do you know the owner on such like a deep level? Like, oh, not, I, I say deep, but you know what I mean? A lot yeah, of people have met of him yeah, in yeah, person yeah. who play Kings. And, 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 and to me, and that's why I really like in your um, monthly videos of trying to hit on what makes Mantic unique yeah. and what does Mantic do instead of focusing on what does Mantic do badly? I really like your your you did the the perfect growth mindset twist on that of what do we do badly to what could we be doing better? Yeah. You know, it's this the idea of not yet. Yeah. You know, give up the tyranny of now for the freedom of not yet. <laughs> you know, to me it's just well, we don't do this yet. Yeah. You know, so I think that's just like a really great attitude to have. One of the things that like appealed to me about Mantic was the fact that they 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 are community focused. They, they they don't maybe take themselves too seriously. The fact like they, they, their personality comes across as a company. And I think that is something to build on. Like that that's not something to change. That's not something to sort of that you know, it's something that needs to be changed. That's just something to turn up to eleven and, you know, you know, take it take it further, really. Well, Andy, it's been so fantastic having you on. Like I said, I think 2024 is going to be a great year, but it's a great year that all of us, if you love Mantic, you know, take part in the community. If you've always wanted to film a battle report, film a battle report. You know, I know you were on MUP lately talking about how do you build a community? You know, how do you create content? Just do it. One huge event we have coming up soon is we have Adepticon. And I, uh, I think I heard that you are coming out for Adepticon. Is that true? It is, yeah. So this will be the first time I've attended. I had a chat with uh, with Ronnie, and he was kind of 100% behind it. I just, I said, essentially, look, I want, I want to get out there. I want, I'll, I'll bring my camera, bring my microphone. I want to talk to the community. I want to film the like the folks having fun. I want to see what it is about these big events that everybody raves around. My gaming sphere has been relatively small. I mean, the UK is not the biggest of countries. That, that's been my experience. I want to see and get out there and see what's different about the US and how do you guys kind of approach the game and how do you guys, or what would you like to see from, from Mantic in terms of products and content and, and that kind of thing as well. So yeah, I can't get, I can't wait to get out there and, and meet a lot of folks that I've only ever seen over a, a Zoom camera kind of thing or, or, you know, I haven't even got to see before. And as a miniature games lover and as a, a person who obviously working for Mantic now, it's your it's your main squeeze loving all loving the hobby yeah. itself there's no other event in the world like adepticon because it is everything that you can think of around miniature wargaming there's like a 25 30 man tournament playing some obscure you yeah. know whatever it is you know like war gods of egyptus you'll go over there and they'll have you know <laughs> 10 tables playing you know obviously we'll have our portable studio we'll be re- we always record a lot of content at adepticon so we're looking forward to having you sit down with us in person vice versa we'll get you guys on camera as well <laughs> oh it's gonna be awesome yeah exactly do this cross-pollination course, stuff, yeah, right yeah um, i'm big into that here so yeah 
Well, it's been told one of the Mantic Knights I have no recollection of because uh, Jesse kept finding drink tickets and feeding them to me the whole night. And so I, I forgot what we talked about. But in the past, Mantic has done like a Saturday night. Here's yeah. what's coming up at Mantic. Now, this year, I've heard that there might be something, but it might be more like unofficial or any news you can share on that. I think the idea was we, we were planning to try and do something. We've, we've actually got a, um, a meeting this week with uh, myself and Ronnie and uh, and Pat and the American guys and Kyle um, to have a chat. The, the plan is to try and do something, but like you see, I think it might be something a little bit more unofficial kind of thing. Um, but yeah, the plan is definitely to get together and, you know, Let's have some beers and let's let's chat. Let's chat hobby together and stuff like that because we, we don't get the opportunity to do it face to face very often. So why why let it go? Why let it pass? Well, at that meeting, you got you have to ask Ronnie how many hats is he bringing to Adepticon <laughs> this year. <laughs> now we're not all wearing lots of different hats. We all have our own proper roles now. We he'll have loads of spare ones. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's the thing. You know, if you can steal Ronnie's hat at Adepticon, that's like your Adepticon bingo. Have I stolen one of Ronnie's the hats? badge of honor? <laughs> Well, buddy, any final thoughts you want to share with the community or any anything as we wrap up the show? No, just just thank thank you for the invite and uh, thank you to the community as well who've given me a, a really really warm welcome in my first month in the new role. It's been it's been nice to be kind of uh, read some of the comments and some of the messages that people have left for me. And um, yeah, by all, my my um, my ears are always open. If anybody has any ideas or suggestions or things that they that they want to see more of, or maybe they want to see less of, feel free to reach out. I'm all I'm always open to for feedback. If maybe someone was wanting to break into the like the the Mantic uh, creator content sphere, yeah. they can maybe drop drop you a message and be like, you know, what are some tips or what are some suggestions on where to start creating Mantic content? Yeah, absolutely. Drop drop me a message through Facebook or anything like that. I'm you know I'm always open to kind of speak to folks. Everybody starts somewhere. Lots of people gave me lots of advice, and here I am seven years later. So yeah, I'm always happy to help others. Well, Rob, any final thoughts for you, buddy? Yeah, I'm just super excited to meet Andy in person at Adepticon. And if you haven't signed up, what are you doing? This year, Adepticon is the place to be. It's a life-changing moment. Bring your empty extra suitcase for all your loots. Start saving now. I've been saving. I've been trying to save since December. It's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. It really is a bucket list event. You know, please sign up if you're thinking of coming and you haven't already. Sign up. There's Clash of Kings over the weekend, Armada tournament, Firefight tournament, whatever Manta game system you want to play in. And I- I'm guessing we'll be in the same hall that we are every year. Uh, Mantic gets a big space yeah for all their games and come come join us meet us sign us up come you know if you ever see Re- Rob or I at an event and it's never when they see you Rob it's when you're in the air, when you're in the elevator and you start talking and then someone's like oh my gosh I know you're <laughs> they don't know the, they don't know the face are you Rob from Counter-Strike La- last year at kind I was in a painting class and I handed somebody something and i said oh i'm rob and they go oh i know who you are <laughs> there are a few people that, li- that listen it's, it's just funny i was just gonna see i've had i've had the opposite thing where um people recognize me because obviously i'm on camera but then i but, but then i don't know them so then they, they come up to me at events and sit and try to take oh, i'm in your live stream every monday kind of thing and it's like well yeah but i don't i don't know who you are <laughs> i haven't seen you before please tell me what your name is and who you are so yeah we create the content that we would want to listen to it's i think all great content creators will speak to that you do the stuff so sometimes when we're really busy making shows we we're not even really thinking about the you know, like people or whatever who are listening to our we just are doing the stuff that we want to do and then you forget sometimes that there are people and thankfully we were so thankful for anyone who like 
listens to Rob and I reminisce or whatever. Ramble. Ramble. And we try to be, I think is important, we try to be genuine. Like I know when I was going through my divorce, I talked about it a lot on the show because the show is like my club. You guys are like my family. And I had people come up to me in person and like give me hugs. And and I think that, again, that's something I love so much and is a key for the countercharge community specifically is we want people to feel like they're we're just hanging out as a gaming club. And if you listen to our show, you're just like, you're at the table with us working on our armies, you know? And I think that um, I really like that about the Blackjack community had that same vibe too, which on your live streams, it was like just a, a hangout. Right? Yeah, definitely. Like I say, it, it sprang up around me looking for a community that wasn't on my doorstep kind of thing. And that, and that's that's where it started. And that's where it, it, I kind of, its spiritual home, I guess, always was. And I want to do that same kind of thing with Mantic. You know, I would, the Mantic community is strong. I just, I just want to get more people involved in it. Well, on that note, get involved. Be the change you want to see in the world, as they say. And uh, remember to always keep counter charging thanks for listening and we'll see you next time on counter charge please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com on twitter at countercharge15 or by commenting on the countercharge kings of war podcast facebook group if you enjoy the show you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on itunes until next time Keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.